Today's episode is brought to you by The Skin Store. For over 20 years, The Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skin care, hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, The Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, supplements, and of course, skin care needs. Find your favorite products like Elta MD, New Face, Olaplex, and more all in one place with gifts with every purchase. Right now, The Skin Store is offering our listeners 20% off your next purchase by using the code POD, that's code P-O-D, for 20% off your next purchase at skinstore.com forward slash pod dot list. Skin Store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. Exclusions apply. Have you been in quarantine? Are you ready to enter the wild again? There's a chance no one has seen your coconuts in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with hairy coconuts. Would you show up to the first day of school without a haircut? Nope. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post-quarantine life. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essential Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with Manscaped Crop Preserver Deodorant and Crop Reviver Toner. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing deodorant, which ensures your afternoon stroll through the jungle doesn't result in sticky coconuts. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner and made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts to give your coconuts a special boost. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower 3.0 delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. The light is at the end of the tunnel, fellas. Treat yourself for making it through the quarantine and welcome back to the jungle with a perfect package 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code SLOPDROP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use SLOPDROP, S-L-O-P-D-R-O-P. Your first post-quarantine date will thank you. That's a slot drop. I can answer that. That's a slot drop. What is that move? That's a slot drop. Slot drop time. That's a slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. The slot drop indeed. Welcome back to the slot drop. This is Nathan Rogers at WooPigSumo on Twitter. And as always, I'm joined by the unluckiest man in the world, Bad Luck Chapman. The manager of champions, Stephen E., the voice of the Twin Lakes Sports Network, the Loose Cannon, David McBee, and a very special guest tonight, Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist and current lead commentator for the National Wrestling Alliance, Mr. Joe Galley. How are you, sir? The slop drop, right? Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. I'm also a coach over at Mission Pro. Or I should say the Dog Pound, which is Thunder Rosa's school, which she runs with right. Jazz and Rodney Mack. And I ran an interesting drill there because I'm the, the commentary and character coach there. And I took a drill that actually came from New Japan Pro Wrestling, where you assign each person, a, uh, the, each one of the students there, an animal to be. And they have to wrestle as that animal. Not meaning they got to be like on all fours or whatever, but they have to embody the character of it. And there was one girl there, Maddie Max. And you're going to see her. I think she actually did a debut on uh, AEW Dark, but she got the pig. And when she was the best wrestling pig I had ever seen. So shout out to Maddie. <laughs> well, Rodney Mack just uh, defeated our, our good friend Niles Planquet for the SWE mm -hmm. Fury television title. So That's right. He ain't letting go of that strap either. Mm -hmm. Never well, letting it go. Uh, Joe, how are things in the Lone Star State? You know, they're good. They're good. I mean, spring has sprung. Uh, you know, there's a lot of positive things. You know, as you mentioned, uh, I, I, have a, I have two careers, as a lot of people do, you know, this day and age. you got to have, you got to diversify what you're doing in life. And so along with being uh, the commentator for the National Wrestling Alliance, 
I work for News Four San Antonio, the NBC affiliate here in um, San Antonio, Texas. And so, you know, we've got a lot of positive news for the first time in a long time. You know, with this pandemic, it's been a lot of interviews with grieving families and doom and gloom and all this sad stuff. But we're finally starting to turn the corner here. We have enough people getting vaccinated. It looks like children are going to be able to get the vaccine soon. So it looks like in August, you know, by that time, things are going to get back to normal. What a great thing was I had a conversation with a doctor today uh, who runs uh, UT Health San Antonio. And he says, Easter is probably going to be the last awkward holiday where you're going to have, should I wear a mask? Shouldn't I wear a mask? Should we be outside? That'll, this should be the last major holiday where you're going to have to have those conversations. By the time we hit July 4th, life should start getting back to normal. So life's really great out here, to be honest with you. About, you know, life getting back to normal. The NWA is back. I mean, we're so excited. You guys were back. Big pay-per-view. Back on the attack, also NWA Power has uh, two great episodes, uh, and uh, the NWA, you know, kind of tell us, you know, a lot of people, you know, we know you as the announcer and the award-winning Emmy award-winning journalist, but I believe also, you know, you had a little bit of a background as uh, training as a wrestler. Yeah, that's true. I wrestled uh, on the, in the West Coast for um, a number of years, and actually, when I, I my my uh, wrestling career and my journalism career kind of started at the same time. And so I managed to take that. And I, you know, when I moved from Los Angeles to Toledo, Ohio for my first reporter gig, I did a couple of shows in Southeast Michigan, Northwest Ohio. I worked a couple of shows in Pennsylvania, nothing to write home about, nothing that anybody would remember me for. And I certainly am not a very good wrestler. Um, and so, but I did spend a few years on the road, you know, I came up with some guys uh, that are all still in the business. Uh, the guy, my best friend, Brandon Taylor, uh, he's a, a coach and an operations manager with New Japan Pro Wrestling out in their Los Angeles dojo. Uh, he was the um, United Wrestling Network champion uh, on Dave Marquez's pro program, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, where I also did commentary. Um, so, but this long road of professional wrestling, it did start at a place called the pit, which is a defunct wrestling school in that was based out of Van Nuys, California. And, um, I have a lot of fond memories and good times coming up there. Cause you know, going into it, I must've been, I'm 32, yeah, 21, 22 showing up to that wrestling school. And I was, you know, Ryan Katz, who currently is a, an operations guy over at NXT, he would describe me as doughy. You know, I wasn't fat, but I wasn't skinny. I had zero muscle definition. I had no business really doing anything athletic. Uh, but I put the work in and, and I developed a character and it was fun. And, you know, for a time, I really thought, oh, this will just be like just a fun thing I do. And, you know, I won't make a career out of it. But sometimes your career finds you. And it's just kind of, you know, continually escalated. And, you know, I just keep failing upwards. And then it's like, oh, now I got this gig. Now I got this gig. Now I got this gig. And it's kind of opened a lot of doors and given me a lot of great opportunities. Too. Well, we can certainly relate to being doughy. Um, would you want to share uh, with our <laughs> listeners what your gimmick was? So my gimmick was I was an underwear model. And it was, you know, for the time, I think it was acceptable but uh, part of the gimmick was stuffing my crotch a lot and emphasizing that. And so I don't think it would pass today with the standards that people have out there. Uh, but I, I was a, a goofy underwear model who thought I was super sexy when obviously I was still very average looking at the time. So that was the gimmick. And then I did a lot of sort of intergender matches where I'd always just get the women would just beat the living death out of me. And that would be the huge pop for the crowd. So I almost always did like Gaga spots and stuff like that. But, but that's what I like. I like the entertaining stuff. I'm, I knew I was never going to, you know, be good enough to do the 450 off the top. And I wasn't going to be able to do 60 minute broadways with another big jacked up guy. So if I could do a six minute match where everybody's laughing throughout the whole time, that was, that was definitely more my speed when I first started in the business. You're feeling some yeah. pretty big, pretty big. Oh, I'm sorry. You're filling some pretty big shoes uh, as the voice of the NWA. You think about mm -hmm. that. You think Gordon Soley, Bob mm -hmm. Cottle, David Crockett, mm -hmm. Jim Ross, mm -hmm. and Tony Schiavone. Yep. Uh, when and how did that opportunity come about? 
Well, I mentioned uh, I was working at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, uh, which is a Los Angeles-based television wrestling program that uh, if you like, you can watch on Fight TV for free. There's no subscription for that. That's Dave Marquez's show. And all you folks are probably very familiar with Dave Marquez, uh, who was our interviewer uh, for the first two seasons of NWA Power. And uh, at the time, I had just started work at the ABC station in Palm Springs, which is right next to Los Angeles, it's the market next to it. And as I mentioned, my friend Brandon Taylor was their champ as the wrestling as the hobo. And he told me like, hey, we've got this announcer guy here. His name's Todd Kennelly, which you folks might be aware of because he worked for a long time on Impact. And he currently still works with Dave. Uh, but he was making that transition from championship wrestling from Hollywood to Impact. And so there was a spot open. And so I went there and I, I showed up for their version of the Royal Rumble, which they call the Red Carpet Rumble. And it's, it was a big show, so they didn't want to give me much responsibility for it. And it was kind of TK's swan song, Todd Kennelly, not Tony Khan. There's lots of TKs in my life. Um, but so that was his, his final for that run that he had at Hollywood. And then the very next taping, which was probably two weeks after, uh, they just sat me in the chair and said, you're, you're our play-by-play -play guy. And I was calling it. And uh, Johnny LaQuasto, who uh, you folks might know as John Johnny Quasto uh, from his time working in WWE, where he was calling matches for 205 and some of the other WWE shows. Uh, he was our color, he was the color commentator, which he wasn't really particularly comfortable with. He always kind of wanted to be the play-by-play. -play, and honestly, he's a better play-by-play -play commentator. Um, but, uh, so I was there for a number of years and then, so Billy Corgan buys the national wrestling Alliance. And at the time, Tim storm is the champion. And so they wanted to get Tim storm back on television. And so Billy Corgan got connected with Dave Marquez and Dave Marquez said, has always had a long history with the national wrestling Alliance. Uh, and if you follow him on social media, the last several weeks, he's posted all of these great pictures and accolades and all the things where he brought the NWA to China, brought it to Australia and did a lot of great stuff to that brand. Um, so we welcomed Billy Corgan uh, in with Tim Storm and that was where Tim Storm was uh, gonna start his feud with Nick Aldis. And so I was sitting there and I called those matches and he, Billy Corgan was in the back with Dave and Billy says, I, I like this kid. I want him to be the voice of my product. Uh, and that's how it came. And he just pulled me into, you know, he pulled me aside into this back area that's right between where the stage is and it's sort of by the curtain, the gorilla, I guess you could call it. And uh, he just said, look, I'm starting this thing. I'm taking the NWA very seriously. I'm starting a very serious company. I'd like you to be the voice of it. Do you want to do that? And I said, sure. And you know, it's television. So you don't really know how things are going to go. And it's like this guy who's a, you know, multimillionaire rock star, you know, who I've been listening to for years, especially in Los Angeles. If you listen to alternative music in LA in the 90s, I mean, Smashing Pumpkins gets played every you know 45 minutes. I'm pretty sure I lost my virginity while uh, Tonight Tonight was playing on the radio. So like there, I had that connection with him. I was like, oh, okay, this rock star wants me to be the voice of his wrestling company. That's cool. And then I just like, we'll just see where it goes and look where it's come. Like we did all of these great things. We had the 70th anniversary show, we had the Crockett Cup. And now we're doing NWA Power. We're doing all of these pay-per-views, which people can get on fight. And um, and there's a lot of big plans in the, for, the, for the future of the National Wrestling Alliance. And I think you can expect to see a lot more coming from us. And I think the end goal is for us to be on traditional cable television and give people an option to watch NWA Power on something like a Spike TV, MTV, or another channel that because I know wrestling sells. Um, so, but for the, for right now, we we love our spot on fight. Uh, they've been wonderful partners with us. Uh, it's nice to just be back doing what we love after basically a year off and being able to, uh, as Billy says, play our music. So it, it's been a it's been a wild ride, uh, and then even more to come. Well, of course, I'm just, I was so excited, you know, when Power came back, and and uh, you know, I think back to when Power the first episode, you know, it's like from that first guitar strum of you know into the fire by Doc, and it's like as soon as that hit. You know, and then they, they go for, to the shot showing what the arena and the setup was there. What was that for you like, as a wrestling fan walking in there the first time and seeing kind of the dynamic of that old studio setup? 
I have to say that the very first time when we first went to GPB studios, um, it, it, it just hits you like the color palette that's there and you've got all that blue and it just kind of hits you in the face and you're like, wow, this looks dope. And, you know, coming from an indie wrestling background, I had worked so many, you know, as Jim Cornette would say, outlaw mud shows all over the place and ones that were shot for television or for the internet and stuff like that. And it's in a rec center and it's just meh. And then you come to a super brand new professional facility and we are trying to look so much like those old school real wrestling that you would see that Georgia championship wrestling and all that sort of stuff. And we have a fantastic set that's built there. And it was just such a, a step up professionally to work in that environment and just continue to work in that environment. And so every time I'm there, you know, that first, by the time we land in Atlanta and we go back to GPB studios and you go down the stairs into that studio, um, it, 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 it feels like home. It feels like home now for sure. I think I interrupted you earlier, Stephen. Did you have a question? Oh, I, I, I shoot. That was three minutes ago. I done forgot and ready to move forward, baby. Yeah. How dare you interrupt, Stephen? <laughs> I know. Stephen E., the manager of champions. Manager uh, of champion here in the mid, uh, mid, Midwest, you know. Uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, I, I, I tell you what, Joe, coming from, you know, coming from your background, uh, were, you always, were, you, were you always a wrestling fan, a professional, professional wrestling fan? You know, I was uh, for a long time. I mean, some of my fondest memories as a child was, and this will this will date myself to how old I am exactly. Is I remember when SmackDown first debuted and we were able to get it over the air. Uh, I come from a family that with of limited means, so we didn't have cable. So, but my friends did, and they would always talk about watching Raw and all this other stuff. And I never really got exposed to it. So when SmackDown first debuted, that was actually my first introduction to being able to watch wrestling on tv and my dad would fall asleep on the couch while i watched wrestling and that was sort of my first four way four a into it um and then going on into high school i was predominantly working in the theater department and us theater nerds uh were all very avid wrestling fans and so we kind of continued that mm -hmm. and we had this little clique of guys uh, that and girls that would you know we'd go to each other's houses we'd watch the pay-per-views we'd get the the wrestling video games and so we did that and then on top of that we did all the stupid backyard stuff that you're not supposed to do kids don't do that it's dumb people get hurt um but we did do it and uh and it eventually led to that one day you know that that good friend of mine Brandon, I, this is another thing that'll date how, how old I am. He saw an ad in the newspaper, like a physical paper ad in the newspaper. And it said two for one special wrestling training. And he was like, you want to be the free one? And I was like, sure. And then that, that, that was really the, the jumping off point for my career in wrestling. I'm a huge MMA fan. And I know there's a lot of uh, MMA fighters that make that transition uh, currently from MMA to pro wrestling. And I can't help but think that training just helped them do that. As mm -hmm. a broadcast journalist, how has that background helped you transition into becoming a, a commentator? Well, I got to tell you, one hand washes the other for sure. Um, and it's all about storytelling and communication. And so, it, and we talk about this a lot at, uh, at the Dog Pound Dojo where, you know, I coach. And by the way, if anybody happens to be watching this or listening to this and you live in the Texas area, and you'd like to come and train with some of the best trainers out there, uh, look up the dog pound, it's D-O-G-G -G, pound, uh, and come on down and we've got great people to come in and teach and all that other sort of stuff. That was my cheap plug for a moment there. But as far as broadcast goes, um, it's all about communicating. And it's here's the other thing too. I mean, would Ric Flair be Ric Flair if Ric Flair couldn't talk like Ric Flair? And my argument is absolutely not. No one would know who Rick, as great of a wrestler as he is, as great as the stuff he could do in the ring, if Ric Flair didn't have a personality, if he didn't talk, if he didn't, woo, that you don't get that connection with him. And then he doesn't become the star that Ric Flair is. And I think you could say that for pretty much every wrestler out there, you know, with some minor exceptions, you have to be able to talk and you have to be able to sell yourself and you have to be able to have people either want you to succeed or want you to fail. 
And so you have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to talk. And that was always something that I was never had a problem with, you know, even from very, very early on from my theater background, I had no problem cutting a promo. And I think what a lot of, you know, I'm learning this from a lot of the younger kids that are coming in today is, you know, when you get some 21, 20 year old guy and they are there to cut a promo, they're not allowing themselves to be vulnerable and they're not allowing themselves to screw up and they just want to come in and everybody's badass John Moxley or everybody's badass Stone Cold Steve Austin. And no, you're not. You have to be able to sell yourself as something different and you have to be able to be vulnerable and people understand that and they empathize with that and they get engrossed into that character. And so a lot of what I do in broadcast journalism is being able to tell those similar stories, whether it's me or another subject, someone else that I'm interviewing uh, that shows that humanity and that gets that connection. And that connection is what keeps you watching the screen. And at the end of the day, whether you're the news at five o'clock or your power at six or five on fight, the goal is to keep your eyes on the screen and to stop you from changing the channel. That's always the same goal. And so as long as we can continue to tell good stories and communicate to people and make an emotional connection, you're not going to change the channel and you'll want to stick with the product. And I think that that's where the NWA particularly excels because we have so many good characters out there and every single person on our roster can talk on the mic. And that's so important to building something to where people want, want to watch it and they want to care about it. Hey, Joe, when you was talking about emotion, I, I swear I had a flashback to one of the first Power episodes. Uh, I think you got a chance to do, you know, sit down interview with uh, Tim Storm. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, uh, the emotion of Tim Storm, we've been lucky. We've got the chance to interview him a couple times. But, you know, his character in the first few episodes <clears throat> of Power was pretty much, you know, the end of Tim Storm looking like he was stepping away. But then the emotional interviews like he did, you know, building Mama Storm, the interview he did and next thing you know mama storm is just over but the the passion of, of interviewing someone like tim storm really stands out because you see the emotion and now of course he's working with you as as a you know broadcasting together what what's that like to work with tim storm tim storm is a fantastic color commentator i mean i after the the pay-per-view um it was i think the note that we had i i had with some of the guys that i like to joke around with in production is like he was a lot better than he should have been because, you know, you see these guys, he's, he's obviously a super well-versed professional wrestler and he can talk and he can do promos. But as far as he, he basically would, a good analogy is he kind of became Tony Romo in the booth, you know, and he was able to analyze so well. And I think that that really surprised everybody. And it was like, well, this is a perfect fit. And, you know, I, thankfully, I've, I've had a blessed opportunity to do commentary with so many people. And the vast majority of people I've done commentary with, I've had good chemistry with. And that continued with Tim Storm and with Velvet Sky. And so it, it was fantastic. And then Velvet Sky, she had never been put in a position to where she had done commentary before. Um, and so I think in the first two episodes, she's coming out of her shell. And as good of a job as she did, she's going to be so much better when we start getting into the later episodes of the season. And then when we come back, for our next pay-per-view on June 6th, uh, When Our Shadows Fall is what it's called, When Our Shadows Fall. So look forward to seeing that in just a few weeks. Is that breaking news? This is the first I've heard about the yeah, next breaking news. Uh, yeah, we're coming back. So there you go. For, you for, Hear it here first. Tim Storm's Jim. a great guy. I know uh, Stephen E's worked with him a lot, and we've all met him, and he's fantastic. But uh, you speaking of some of the commentators you've worked with, uh, Jim Cornette, Wade Barrett, uh, Stu Bennett, and now mm -hmm. Tim and Velvet, what, are there any major differences in any of those? And have you had to adjust any? Absolutely. There have been differences. I mean, uh, Jim Cornette was such an encyclopedia of professional wrestling. It was hard to keep up with him, especially when he starts doing deep dives into history and stuff. Like I said, I didn't come up in that era where I was watching a lot of the 80s wrestling where he worked and he was featured and he was booking things and he was with the Midnight Express. Um, but, and he, he had so many catchphrases that um, if you listen to his podcast, he uses them every day and they make me laugh all the time. Um, and then Stu Bennett, AKA Wade Barrett, fantastic, but everybody had a different flavor with it. Uh, but like I said, I don't know what it is, 
but somehow I, we managed to gel. And you can see it sometimes when you watch a lot of pro wrestling out there. If you get two people out there and there's no chemistry between them, they don't know how to have a conversation and tell the story and call the moves in the ring and, and make you want to listen to it as well as watch it. But I've been super fortunate to work with some really talented people that all have their own characters that are all defined in different ways. And each one of the, it's kind of great that we have so many different versions of this with a different color commentator. You know, in television, you always want to have consistency. But I think in the, when, when we've been able to have this turnover for one reason or another, um, it's actually benefited us a lot. And now, now you get a new flavor each time. And so now we've got this next this current season of power with Tim Storm and Velvet and me. It's the first time we've really had a three person booth religiously. Um, and I think what's really great, particularly when you're talking about Velvet, is she opens the door for a lot of women out there that might be casually watching. We know that with NWA Power, the vast majority of our audience is men. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the wife isn't in the other room and can't come in and can't, might hear something that Velvet Sky says and make that relatable and make that connection. So her being there, I think, will bridge the gap even more and open us up to a wider and more female audience as well. And that's what we really, really want to bring out there, because there's so many women out there that love professional wrestling, especially now that we're in this new era of women's professional wrestling, where all these women are athletes, all these women are kicking butt, all of these women are super empowered and they're main event stars. And so that draws, it, it draws more women and then younger girls into the product and having Velvet on the commentary team, I think helps that a lot. And I think that's going to help us expand and uh, bring just bring more eyeballs and, and more fans to the National Wrestling Association. People who might not even be that invested in pro wrestling, maybe just a little bit, maybe they hearken back to the days and might be older women that might uh, be more related to this product. But it's definitely helping us open a lot more doors. Well, Joe, the uh, dynamic, you know, you were talking when, when NWA Power started, it was basically a two – two-person crew now it's transitioned to a three-person crew i know like i do a lot of basketball football and sports coverage and you know a two-person crew seems to move pretty smooth but then sometimes there can be some challenges i know we've heard jim ross talk about you know he always preferred just him and the king what mm -hmm. what's your uh is what dynamic or what is there anything you've had to change about how you handle yourself going with a three-person crew uh you, there is a difference uh thankfully i had a lot of practice with it uh, once again, championship wrestling from Hollywood, there was a, at least a, more than a year there where it was me, Johnny LaClosto, and Dan Joseph, who was out with an injury. He was a pro wrestler, uh, and now he's all healed up, and he's back to kicking butt, and he's one of the champions in uh, on, on Marquez's programming. Um, so I had a lot of uh, options to, to kind of work with that, and it does require a little bit more traffic copping, and that's sort of what it means is when you're finishing a statement or you're asking a question, you just basically have to say a person's name at the end of it. So it's like, uh, Camille with another devastating spear velvet, what could be going through Thunder Rosa's mind right now? And so that opens the door for her to take over in that conversation. So you don't talk over one another. There's an art to it and it makes it a little bit more challenging. And we do end up stepping on each other, but that's fine because our programming is not supposed to be neat and clean and cookie cutter you know if you want that you can watch raw you can watch smackdown you can watch nxt where everything is very organized and nobody's stepping on each other and everything's perfectly written out and they're following a script at the nwa especially with billy corgan we are much more flying by the seat of our pants we're reacting we're in the moment and there really isn't a script there, there is no script for us to follow we have an idea where we're going, but we're not reading something. And so you're going to get us stepping on each other. But that also lets you know how real it is. We have so much more realism with our professional wrestling than you're going to see in a lot of these other national organizations. And having a three-person crew and we, us stepping on each other, I think it just kind of helps. It's another spice for that flavor. It's it's really organic. and. And that's one, one of the things I love about the NWA. 
uh, Trevor and, and Chapman there, not Trevor, Stephen and Chapman know Trevor personally. And that's one thing he talked about a few weeks ago is when he made his NWA debut and they're like, just go out there and be you. And he's like, I don't have to read a script. I don't have to do this or that. And mm-hmm. again, that's one of the dynamics about the NWA that I love. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that we've been very tried and true. Um, plug tried and true another great academy if you want to go learn with tom latimer and camille but still um we want to bring you back to those days in the 80s and so we're basically following a we we to keep using the cooking analogies there's a recipe there and our recipe is very simple and one could argue that simple recipes are the best and that's when you're going to get the most delicious food is when you have a limited amount of ingredients so if we don't burden ourselves with having to memorize stuff and to try to get over a particular word and if that doesn't work we're going to take another take that's the other thing too we we don't do retakes this you're getting it live uh if we screw up we screw up and there are a couple of times and i'll be honest excuse me later on when we get to episodes further down in the season you're going to see how tired we're getting (laughs) in some of these things and some of the slip-ups that are happening we get a little punch drunk so the last few episodes of the season are just going to be kind of fun to listen to to see how we kind of dance around our own mistakes but uh but that that's how it is that's the reality of the situation we have there and i think people will actually enjoy it and find it more entertaining yeah in my in my experience when when you go to a show and and you know the promoter hands you hands you something and says this is you know what I want you to want you to go by I, man that that's always made me more nervous you know mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm more of a of a of a, I, I I like to make it up on the fly and mm-hmm. you know it just like you said earlier uh, it, it just comes across more organic it's uh, it's more believable you know um, when when you when you watch. A lot of the stuff that uh, that's on Monday night, you know, it, it, it they they if they miss their point, if they miss their bullet point, then you see them going back, and then they miss it again, and they go back again, and 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 you just see it, and it just looks it just looks silly, you know. There was a there was somebody that missed uh missed just messed up their promo on Raw live, so you know it, it it's nice to 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 know that that you guys aren't in an in an editing room and we're seeing the product. Uh, organically, it, it, it's nice to see that, and it's a good, it's a good change, I guess. And you're not only seeing that with the commentary and the promos; you're also seeing that a lot more in the ring. We really encourage all of our wrestlers call it in the ring. Let's do it like it's supposed to be done. You're professionals. You know what you're doing. You know what your character is, and call it in the ring let's see you actually do the work and i think that that just makes so much of a better match than somebody you know and you especially see it i see it especially now that i'm a coach the gears are constantly oh i got this move and then i'm going to do this and then they're going to do this when you take that out and you can just focus on being your character and you can focus on the moves that you've been doing for a lot of these guys for 20 years it makes such a better painting to look at we recently lost uh, Josephus the question mark. Uh, what was it like to work with Joseph Hudson? I cannot tell you how brilliant Joseph Hudson was. I, it's it's almost unfathomable the the brain that that guy had. Not just in professional wrestling, but like philosophy. He was there was the the first two seasons of Power. There was a piano that just happened to be in the hallway by the gorilla position. And then all of a sudden, there's Josephus just playing the piano. And like, we're all looking around. It's like, dude, you don't want to play the piano? And he's like, yeah, I can do anything. And it's like, what? whoa. And then like, he was so creative. And a lot of what you saw, especially in the early days of NWA Power, a lot of that came from Josephus. A lot of those commercials, a lot of those really goofy interstitial things that we had a lot of that came from Joseph's brain. And so, you know, losing him was heartbreaking and devastating uh, for so many of us because we were all so close to him, especially guys like Tim Storm, Nick Aldis, Billy Corgan, 
you know, these guys who had been with him for, you know, especially Billy Corgan. I mean, but he'd been friends with him for more than a decade. And uh, that it's one of those things where he's just gone too soon. And, you know, he was a big guy, a healthy guy dying very suddenly leaving behind a wife and kids. Um, it's heartbreaking. And, but you know what I think it did do is it, it gave all of us a lot of motivation for us when we were in Atlanta that we have to do this for Joseph. And we said that a lot, um, whether we were having meetings or right before the tapings, you know, let's do this for Joseph Hudson. Let's put on the best product. Let's put on something that he would like. And to be honest, here we go. We got a lot of heat. Um, we did the 10 bell salute during the pay-per-view and it ended up being an eight bell salute. Um, and a lot of people were like, why don't you have someone who can count? You know, that's disgraceful or disrespectful. But if you knew Joseph Hudson, you knew he was laughing his butt off at that, at that, at that botch. He would have thought that that was hilarious. Um, and that was the kind of guy that he was. And he saw the beauty in a lot of things. He was so creative on so many different levels. I'm certainly going to miss him. Everyone in the NWA is going to miss him. And I think um, having the Mongrovian flag hung up with all the other flags of the nation in the studio now, I think that that's a perfect place. And now we can always look up and always remember the question mark, Joseph Hudson, Josephus. Well, Joe, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Nick Aldis a little while ago. Uh, kind of tell us uh, what's your feelings on Nick Aldis, uh, your thoughts on him. And uh, I mean, he's really been the flag bearer for the NWA for the last several years. He has been. I mean, he's the real world's champion. I mean, he, he makes it very clear in his promos. He doesn't get ready. He stays ready. He is the embodiment of what you expect to see in a world champion. He has the brain. He has the body. He has the endurance and he's been able to hold on to that championship for all of this time now. And I don't see him being put in a position where he's going to let it go by any means. You're going to have to just beat him within an inch of his life in order to become the next person to hold the 10 pounds of gold and working with Nick. There's no question that from a storyline perspective, we have heat. You know, you've seen that from the previous episodes of NWA Power, that there is tension between Nick Aldis and Joe Galley and Joe Galley and Camille and Joe Galley and Tom Latimer and all the other strictly business people out there. Um, and I think we've been able to tell a very successful story that way. And, you know, but as far as a representative for our championship, I mean, he's the champ for a reason. He looks great on a poster. He looks great on the ring. And you know, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to beat him. It's going to be hard to beat him. No matter who that's going to be, that'll get another opportunity at that. Whether that's Aaron Stevens getting another shot or Trevor Murdoch, or even guys like Chris Adonis or any of these people that are fresher faces on NWA power. Um, he's, he's a juggernaut. And it's going to be really interesting to see when somebody can step up to his level because that's really what it takes. You have to step up to the level of the champ in order to beat him. And so far, the only person who to, was able to do that is Cody Rhodes. And then Nick Aldis was able to beat him 37 days, 38 days. I think it was something like that, just over maybe a month or two, uh, and be able to retain the championship. So it'll be just really interesting to see where it goes. But I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like Nick Aldis, and they can't wait to see somebody take the strap from him. Well, you mentioned the heat between you and Camille, and of course – especially in season one, you go back to those first couple episodes. I mean, tension filled area and uh, you know, you could not get Camille, Camille to speak, but now yep. it seems like Camille's talking all the time. So what, what's the reason for the extra heat? Cause it's a whole different level with you and Camille. You've created a well, monster. Okay. I, I think that that is part of the problem. That is a good point there. Um, and that uh, all my persistence as a journalist, trying to get here to talk, trying to be the first person to get that interview uh, it really backfired on me in a big way. And now Camille, I think is she's used that fire and now it's in that furnace that she has and she is just going to propel it all the way. 
And, you know, she wants that shot at Serena Deeb. She wants the strap. She wants to be, she wants to bring, that's always been the goal of Strictly Business is to have all the gold, which means Camille has to be the women's world champion. And she's got a lot of fire. I mean, her, and she's another one of those things, very similar to Nick. She doesn't have to get ready to be in the ring. She's always ready to be in the ring. And she's just, I mean, you saw it at the pay-per-view and you're going to see it in several more episodes of NWA Power. She's a force to be reckoned with, and uh, she's still mad at me. And there's nothing I can do about that, <laughs> except, I guess, make her more mad. Oh, well. Of course, she got a huge win over uh, Thunder Rosa. Uh, but Thunder Rosa is another one in the women's division who, you know, basically had what some people are calling the match of the year. You know, I think she ended up wrestling six times in a week. You know, she had her match with Britt Baker that's all over the place from AEW. Then she has a great match against Camille at the uh, the last paper, NWA pay-per-view. Uh, what's your thoughts on Thunder Rosa? She's, she's, one of the, she's the best wrestler on walking earth right now that doesn't have a championship. You know, that's always been the goalpost, and that's how you were able to identify people as being the best, is that you have a championship. She's just waiting for another opportunity to grab one, whether that's going to be Serena Deeb or whether that's going to be at AEW or whether it's going to be at any of the other thousands of promotions out there that are all clamoring to have Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa, I believe at this moment in professional wrestling, she's probably one of the biggest draws. Um, and now that we're back into a position where we're going to have crowds uh, in venues and we'll see that at Wrestlemania and hopefully we'll see that back in the NWA arena soon when we can have large crowds again everybody's going to want to book Thunder Rosa because they know that she puts asses in seats and whether that's here in America or in Japan or Mexico or Egypt or anywhere she's a hot commodity she lays it in She's legit. I mean, with her MMA, I was there ringside um, when she had her MMA debut here in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, she's a beast. She's a beast. And she's super knowledgeable about this business as well. So I, she is, she's a superstar now, and I have no idea how much further it can go for her, but I feel like the sky is the limit. And, you know, I... I love working with her at NWA Power, and I love working with her when we coach uh, kids here in San Antonio at her school, um, Dog the Dog Pound Dojo. I mentioned that uh, Stephen and Trevor are friends. True friendship in wrestling is somewhat rare, I guess you could say. Who's the person or persons that Joe Galley could call right now that's involved in pro wrestling that would be there for you? Thunder Rosa is on that list. You know, and, you know, people call her Thunder Rosa. I call her Mel, you know, because that's how I know her. And we're basically neighbors here in San Antonio. So Thunder Rosa is certainly on that list. Uh, in, there's a lot of guys that are in the back that, you know, names you might not be familiar with, uh, with the National Wrestling Alliance, guys like Billy Trask, who's our director there, another great friend. Uh, Brandon Taylor, who is, uh, like I mentioned, uh, uh, one of the guys working at New Japan in their L.A. dojo. And uh, he's been my best. I was the best man at his wedding. And so we've been best friends for years. He now lives here in Texas and travels back to Los Angeles to work for New Japan. Um, and so there's a lot of guys. I, I just finished having a conversation with, a, with the teacher I mentioned before, Ryan Katz, who's still working at NXT. And so I've got lots of friends all over the place. You know, he's another great one that a lot of people might not know is Peter Avalon and I are, are pretty as good of friends as we pretty Peter Avalon, professional <laughs> Peter Avalon, producer Peter Avalon. I used to call him pissant Peter Avalon until the day Marquez says we can't say that on television anymore. Um, the only wrestling shirt I ever have, I, I made at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. It's when Peter Avalon did his heel turn to become the United Wrestling Network champion. And, or I'm sorry, the Hollywood Heritage champion, become the Hollywood Heritage champion. And I said, Peter broke my heart. And that got over and people started to chant it. So I made shirts. So my wrestling shirt that I sell to people has Peter's name on. It. So that's the synergy that I have there. It says Peter broke my heart. And I'm, 
I'd bring one out for you right now, but I'm in the middle of packing and moving into a new place. So I'm sure it's in one of these boxes somewhere. <laughs> well, do you have any advice for those that want to get involved in wrestling, whether it be a wrestler or a referee or a manager or a commentator? Come down to the Dog Pound Dojo located in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Uh, if, if, in all seriousness, though, we actually do get a lot of students that come from all over uh, the state. There's a lot of people who drive several hours, multiple times a week to come and train there because of the facility that we have, and it's great. But if you don't live in the Texas area, and being realistic is being realistic, is you just have to show up and you have to, you have to go. 99% of any job is showing up. So whether that means showing up to your local indie promotion and saying, I really love wrestling. I want to be a part of this business. Just give me something to do. And they'll make you sit at the merch table or they'll have you take pictures during the match or they'll have you set up the ring and tear down the ring and be a part of a ring crew. And just being around that environment is so important. And then if you want to be successful in this business, you have to be persistent with it and you can't walk away from it. It has to be part of your life and it can ruin relationships that you may have because you're going to drive three and a half hours to work an indie show uh, one state over to make $20 and a hot dog from a promoter, but it's your chance to get exposure and you could wrestle in front of a few hundred people. Maybe you will sell a shirt. Maybe you will make a fan. Maybe you will get a Twitter follower. So it's just about being persistent and being a part of this business, being true to yourself, um, never putting yourself in a position where you don't want to do things. Um, and, and by all means, please be trained. If you can't go to a place like Tried and True in Tennessee or the Dog Pound here in San Antonio, there are wrestling schools all over the place um, that are welcoming the place, that are welcoming the people. Dave Marquez has one through Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and Peter Avalon is one of the trainers there. So there's, always places where you can learn from it but you really have to be involved in it and being involved in pro wrestling doesn't mean watching it and tweeting about it you have to physically be there and now that the country and the world is opening up you gotta take advantage of those opportunities that's one thing that you know was really solidified with me during this pandemic you never know when it's gonna end and your life could be taken in a moment whether it's from a, a deadly virus that's raging throughout the the world or in the case of a guy like Joseph Hudson, very unexpected, not COVID related at all, totally came out of nowhere, no doctors, no one could have predicted what happened with him. And now he's gone. But Joseph Hudson lived his dream. Joseph Hudson was in the ring. Joseph Hudson was in pursuit of the 10 pounds of gold. And if he was still here today and he was still working the way he was working, I would not be surprised if he would be the one that would be able to take away the 10 pounds of gold from Nick Aldis. Joe, I have to say, um, of course, when COVID really got kicked into gear for a short period of time, there, you were hosting the Inside the NWA podcast show that you guys were running. Really enjoyed that. Is there any chance of that ever coming back? Because I really enjoyed the insight and the interviews you did on that. You, it's interesting you bring that up because I had just had a conversation with some of our production staff and with uh, Billy Corgan, and he does want us to add more stuff. At the end of the day, we need to start working harder at not just having power and our pay-per-views, but we need to offer you know, something for free to people. And that could be something like an interview segment that could be something like basically what we're doing right now. Um, and, or it could be something a little bit different, but we definitely need to target more of our audience to get more eyes to make the subscription for fight because we're asking people to spend their hard-earned money. And so we have to give you something a little bit to entice you to do that. And we can't just do that with pictures that we post on Twitter. So it would not surprise, we don't have anything set at the very, at this moment, but it would not surprise me if in the next few weeks or so, we do come up with something that would be similar to that podcast or something that or thereabouts. Well, I'll definitely volunteer our services if the NWA gets a slop <laughs> job. Uh, Sounds good. McBee and I are going to be doing commentary in a couple of weeks uh, for Mid-States Wrestling. And I'm sure Steve and E will be working it as well. Uh, any pointers for us? We've done commentary one one other time. How do you keep your pipes from getting rusty? Uh, should we wear darks like JR talks about? What kind of pointers can Joe Galley give us? Well, I, I think that's interesting. Um, uh, is, is, does it air on? What, what does it air on? 
Or is it just in front of the crowd, or is it for television, it, for Twitch? It will be a. Uh, it will be on DVD and possibly on DVD. Okay, there. perfect, great. So look professional would be the first thing that I have to say, which might be difficult depending because I've worked plenty of. I used to do championship wrestling from Arizona, and we did it at a nightclub in Mesa, just outside of Phoenix. And I'd be wearing a suit, and I would sweat through that damn thing when we did our summer <laughs> tapings. Uh, so it can be a challenge. One, I would say, look professional. Two is more important than anything else is to be prepared. So you got to know who's wrestling, what the names of their moves are. You can do all that research ahead of time, or you could do a lot of it day of. Go up to a guy, especially if you've got a guy who's debuting, you don't know anything about him. Ask him, what can I, what can you tell me about you? What can you tell me about your character? What can I put over? And hopefully they have information for you. Some guys don't. And I've always found that strange when you meet a guy, you know, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, great. You're wrestling today. Oh, perfect. How long have you been in the business? 12 years. Cool. What can you tell me about yourself? I don't know. It's like you've been in the business for 12 years. You don't have a character. Come on. <laughs> God, I'm going to rip my hair out. Um, so get that. And as far as, you know, keeping your pipes good, you know, I drink a lot of black coffee. I, there's lots of water bottles that are underneath the thing there, underneath the table. And it is a slog when we're doing these power tapings, because obviously we're doing multiple episodes on multiple days back to back to back. And uh, I, I seem to get by pretty well with uh, a tea called throat coat with a little honey and lemon. Uh, that'll usually get me through. And, uh, and it doesn't hurt to have a couple cough drops in your pocket if you're worried about your voice getting blown out. You can also regulate it too. And uh, that's the other thing that like I had to, I, I learned as well. You're wearing a headset or you're talking to a microphone. You don't need to be particularly loud. It's there. You can be excited and be like, oh, wow, what a devastating clothesline that was. But you don't have to be, oh, my God, it was a clothesline. You know, <laughs> you, you can contain yourself because you're not a fan watching in the stands. You're not cheering. It's the same thing to where if you were you went to a, a, a high school football game. If you're on the stands, you're clapping, you're cheering, you're making sure the players can hear you. But if you're talking into a microphone, everyone can hear you. And you just have and, – but I think the most important thing is to be prepared and to have fun have fun be improvisational with it try to make some jokes but not particularly about the wrestlers themselves i never put anyone down even if they're heels i never try to take away from them these are all athletes that are sacrificing their bodies and even if for some reason the match is just going to s i don't know if i could swear so i won't so if sure the match can. is just oh if the match is just the drizzling shit then <laughs> you still got to put over that what, what you can see. Like, Oh, I don't think he got all of that. You know, this match is, a, I don't think that that's exactly what he was going for, but that certainly was effective. You could see that wrestler a is just on the mat. And I think this could be the end. No, it's not the end. Boy, I wish it would end, but we're still here. <laughs> so, um, and just have fun with it. You know, it, it's one of those things of like, I'll, I'll do the, four episodes of power in a day and i won't be able to tell you what i did that first episode i can't i won't be able to have that recall of what did we just do but i will remember that i had a really good time doing it. i was going to uh, ask you about the uh, the taping yeah. process well, you, you guys did, yeah uh was it several uh, episodes was it friday and saturday or saturday and sunday so uh the next taping is going to be different uh, I'm not exactly sure. And it has to do with other stuff that's also being shot in GPP studios. So everything's coming back. So the studio's in high demand. So I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work there. But to give you a peek behind the curtain, how it worked this time, uh, we had our pay-per-view on Sunday. And so we just shot that. Uh, there was talk that we could have done an episode of Power afterwards, but we chose not to. And then the next day, uh, we did four episodes of Power and then one episode of something called Power Surge. Uh, which is sort of a, uh, a talk show interview segment that's very interesting and it's going to have that. There will still be matches with it, but it's a little bit different. Uh, and then the next day we did two more, or excuse me, we did four more episodes of Power and I believe one or two episodes of Power Surge. Um, as far as how much of that Power Surge stuff is going to actually make it to air on fight, I think that there is some stuff that there's going to look at and see what might be the best thing for to make the fans happy. Um, I had a great time doing them because uh, it's hosted by me and Mae Valentine, and I love working with Mae Valentine. 
And, uh, you know, I don't think she gets the credit that she deserves. Um, people see Mae Valentine and you make certain assumptions of a woman with that level of aesthetic, you know, and, but she's incredibly brilliant. She's a published author. She's a journalist who's written for Rolling Stone and uh, she speaks multiple languages. And I think people don't really understand that when she's doing interviews, it, she's understanding and, and thinking in Portuguese and then talking in English. And I couldn't do that. And she does, and for, for having that ability to just be able to do that, I, she does a fantastic job. And I think people are actually really gonna like what we did on Power Search. Well, speaking of pointers, uh, we have a friend named Jesse Inman. He's a broadcast mm -hmm. journalist for a CBS affiliate. And uh, I told him I'd bring him up because unlike you, Jesse has not won an Emmy. And mm -hmm. so what can we do? He has won a fantasy football uh, league, though. He is a fantasy football champion. Uh, okay. What can Jesse do to win himself an Emmy? All right. this You guys really want to peel back the curtain. All right, here we go. You guys are getting a lot of breaking news here. Uh, if you really want to win an Emmy, you have to pay for it. That's unfortunately the system that's there. So the Emmys that are done in news, obviously it's not the same Emmys that people watch once a year on television. To be able to win an Emmy, they're all regional based. So where's, where's he work? What city does he work? Uh, Springfield, Missouri for Color 10. Springfield, Missouri. Good. That's a good market to be in because he's not going to be competing against major markets like Chicago or New York or Los Angeles. There'll be a lot of that stuff in the Springfield area. And actually, I think come to think of it that is where dave marquez won his emmy back in the day when he was working at a television station in springfield uh to tie it all around but if you really want to win an emmy in in the world of local broadcast news you have to pay your dues as, a, as an emmy winner for that particular region it helps to know the board it helps to be a judge uh, not that you judge your own things but you judge stuff from other parts of the country um, and the way I have spent thousands of dollars submitting entries and stories, and I was nominated several times, uh, but I only won once. And after I won that one, I thought, how much more do I want to spend to get another one? You know what I mean? A lot of that comes out of my own pocket. Actually, almost all of it does. Uh, when you get into the larger markets and you get into places like your New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston, uh, the stations will typically pay for it because they have bigger budgets and they're owned and operated by ABC, CBS, NBC. I'm betting that your, your friend's TV station is probably owned by Meredith or Sinclair or one of those other stations, and they just don't pay for it. They just don't pay for it. So. Uh, one is be a good journalist to obviously have something good to submit. Um, if you, it's a big breaking story. And then that's the other thing too. Now we're getting way into the weeds that I'm sure your audience doesn't really have interest in, but I'm going to go into this. There's a lot of different categories when you're submitting stuff for local Emmys and you need to make sure that what you're submitting fits really well into that category. Also what you could do is there are certain categories that don't get that many submissions. For instance, there's a category that I remember was stories about religion. So local news day turns focusing on faith. There's nobody does a lot of church stories. So if you get a good church story out there and you get a good thing, whether it's, you know, it's just something, something that's good that you could tie in with the church. You could submit it in that category, and then you're in a lot less competition compared to breaking news, weather, full broadcast, sportscast, all those things where people are submitting dozens and dozens and dozens of clips. Military, that's another thing. Military stories. If you live in a market where you have a military base and you can get good with the people that are at that base, and you can put together a couple of good military stories to submit, it's a lot less competition compared to, like I said, breaking news, weather, sports, all those things that typically are just going to get a flood of applicants. That's the first time anyone has asked me that. Well, good. Well, hopefully uh, these next round of questions will be the first time, too. We, we like to end Ooh. on a uh, – we call it rapid ra random rundown, but it's, there's no timer, so it's really not too rapid. But they are very random, some wrestling, some non-wrestling. So if you're up to the challenge – Bring it on. All right. Greatest TV dad. 
greatest TV dads. My personal favorite is always going to be Homer Simpson from the way I grew up. Obviously not the best TV dad as far as a representation for a father, but no, yeah, I'll stick with one answer. I'm going to go with Homer Simpson just because it's a special place in my heart. The Simpsons are the best. Uh, city with best barbecue, Kansas City, Austin, or Memphis? I've had barbecue in all three, and that's a hard call. Um, they're all great for different reasons, but in the spirit of this question, I will pick Austin as a person who lives in the Lone Star State and is an hour and a half away from Austin, and I now have several relatives that also live in Austin. I will pick that, and not only that, I will narrow it down to a specific barbecue joint, and that Which would be is... Black's Barbecue. Black's. Black's Barbecue is, it's pricey, it's expensive. I spend $100 when I get there because I order way too much food, but mm, delicious. Also, don't sleep on some of this barbecue here in San Antonio. I went to a mom and pop shop yesterday that was next to the AT&T Center, which is where the Spurs play. And uh, I had to eat there. It was between live reports. I wasn't planning on it. Just went in there and they're like, we're out of everything except ribs. And I said, give me the ribs. And they were fall off the bone delicious. And I can't for the life of me remember it. But if you ever go see a Spurs game, put it Google in your phone, good barbecue near me, and it'll take you right there. Your former wrestling persona, boxers or briefs? As the underwear uh, they, model. As the underwear model, it would definitely be briefs. Tom or Jerry? Tom, I'm a cat person. Yeah, yeah look, I got my, there's my cat. Ted. <laughs> Ted. Ted's so rude. Didn't want to say hi. Rude ass Ted. Who looks more like the director of a funeral home, Mike Tanay or Don Callis? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That is an affront to people who run funeral homes. There are some very handsome people that run funeral homes. And not only that, they're very well-to-do. That is an incredibly wealthy business to be a part of. And then it's also very – it's hard to break into. You're, you have to really be from a family. I had a long discussion about that by from one of the main funeral uh, – um, you're going to laugh. His name is Dick Tips, and he runs one of the biggest funeral homes in the San Antonio area. And it's not Richard Tips, it's Dick Tips. And I have to say that on television, which is fantastic. Uh, so I would say neither of them because the, neither of them is handsome enough to run the funeral. Favorite carnival or fair food? Don't sleep on a deep fried avocado. Very good right there. I like a deep fried avocado is good. Um, and as I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, I always love a, a hot bag of kettle corn. And uh, yeah, I'll pick those two. Yeah, that'd be good. Who looks more like someone in an antacid commercial struggling to eat a chili dog, Jim Cornette or Paul Heyman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think it all kind of just depends on what they're doing at the time, but I'll... In the interest in the fact that I still, you know, would like Jim to answer the phone if I ever have to call him again, I will say Paul Heyman just because I've never met him. Red Hot Chili Peppers or the Smashing Pumpkins? The Smashing Pumpkins. Come on, man. Who pays my bills? <laughs> <laughs> Who looks more like they purchased a pool table by saving all their Marlboro miles since the age of 14? <laughs> Jake Roberts or George South? George South. <laughs> Unequivocally George South. <laughs> I love George South, by the way. He is a character. I love George. Aside from Starbucks, Duncan or McCafe? Duncan or what, McDonald's? McCafe, yeah. Oh, come on, man. Um, I drink black coffee, and I will drink garbage black coffee. You don't realize how bad coffee you know you'll endure until you work in news and you go to a and you try to get the coffee out of the newsroom break room. Um, so I will pick any port in a storm, but in the interest of answering this question, Duncan for sure. Hardest bump or stiffest shot you ever took and who was responsible for it? Powerbomb through a flaming table by Brawlin' Bo Cooper at a student show at the pit in Van Nuys. Must have been, uh, 10 years ago. Who looks more like a guest character on The Golden Girls that shows up to take Blanche out on a date, Tony Falk or Austin Idol? 
<laughs> I'm loving these questions. Yes, I've never heard any of these. Austin Idol, for sure. Mm -hmm. Especially if you could, if you could, because the hair's not quite right for, for well, back in the day. Yes, but if you took him right now, but you slicked it back, that's perfect. Most likely to exist, aliens or Bigfoot? Aliens, 100% aliens exist. They're totally, there's no way that life does not exist outside of this planet. And Bigfoot, we would have found some goddamn bones by now. Last but not least, the controversial one. Is cheesecake a cake or a pie? It's a custard, technically. Um, as a person who's made a few in the day, and they've never been good, but well, there's a crust with it. That is a good question. There's a crust with it. There's a crust and a filling. It's called it's, yeah. cheesecake. Yeah, but... Technically, though. Yeah. But a Boston cream pie is a cake. So I think, what's in the name? Uh, I'm going to go pie. Why not? I'm going to go pie. Well, Joe, thank you uh, for taking the time of visiting with us. Uh, we're huge fans of the NWA. Two, two episodes into the current season. Looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, again, it looks like uh, you know I watched last night. Trevor dropped the, the title to Chris Adonis. It looks like maybe we're going to see something between uh, Trevor and Nick. I hope that's the way it goes. That would be a very interesting feud. But anyway, how can fans stay up to date with the NWA and Joe Galley? Well, if you want to stay up to date with the NWA, you can follow us on our social media. For the most part, it's all at NWA, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Uh, of course, we want you to subscribe to Fight TV. Uh, you know, we know we're in a different world right now, and we know there's an awful lot of wrestling out there that you can watch for free or for close to free, you know, things that come over the air, television packages you already pay for. But what you're getting with the NWA is something very different. It is very special. If you're watching this podcast, you definitely have an interest in it. And I highly recommend that you spend the $5 a month for the subscription for it and know that that money is going to essentially a mom and pop business. So here's the thing, you could basically go to Walmart and buy all of your groceries and everything you want and you can get it for next to nothing, right? But if you wanted to support a smaller local business, you might go to the farmer's market and you might spend a little extra money there, but look at what you're doing for your community. So you can do that for the wrestling community as well. Come to the farmer's market that is fight and subscribe right there for the National Wrestling Alliance and watch NWA Power every Tuesday at 6.05 Eastern on Fight. It's just five bucks a month, guys. It's $1.25 a week. It, it, we talked about coffee before. I mean, I went to Starbucks today and got a latte. and That was $4 and change. So there you go. Now, it's, now that's gone, you know? All right, that about wraps it up. Uh, follow us on Facebook at The Slop Drop, on Twitter at The Slop Drop 1, wherever you find your podcast, we are there. Leave us a good rating and a good review. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Either way, as always, thank you all for listening. And until next time, we're out of here. Goodbye and good night.